You are listening to How to Bake a Book. Some episodes may contain content not suitable for some listeners. Please see descriptions for specific content warnings. Listener discretion is advised. That's that's literally the sound of nothing happening, which is how recording sounds. Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay, so I will be ready now. No, this is this is perfect. I can cut out literally all of this or none of this and shame us for the rest of time. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, I'm Mary and I'm Cole. Welcome to How to Bake a Book. Uh, We're really excited. This is our first episode, so you guys will get a little bit more information and setup in this episode than you will in future ones. Uh, And the first episode and second episode, we will uh, be reading Uprooted Mm -hmm. by Naomi Novik. Um, Cole, how did you consume Uprooted? I read it uh, in this beautiful hardbound edition that was given to me by an old customer at a coffee shop I worked at. I love the pages. They're fans, listeners. Uh, They're deckled edges on these books. Now, what is a deckled edge? It's when uh, the printer puts the book together. Instead of taking a big, giant slicer to cut off the edge and make it all flat, they just leave it in the folia state, and it... It makes this great texture, and I'm oh, obsessed with beautiful. it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, the book itself is made, uh, obviously, by Naomi Novak. Um, the, I think the copyright was 2015, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, published by Del Rey, which is an imprint of one of the big five, you know, Penguin Random House uh, folks. Um, I absolutely love this version, but Mary, how did you consume the book? (laughs) So uh, most of the time I will uh, listen on Audible. Mm -hmm. So the narrator for Uprooted was Julia Emelin, and it was 17 hours, 44 minutes. Do do you listen... Do you listen at one time speed, or do you ever speed it up? Oh, okay, all right. I I am very impatient, and um, I don't do well with surprises, so I kind of just want to know everything all at once. So Uprooted, I listen to it, I think, on one and a half speed. Um, But in in the initial, like, first couple episodes, I'll slow it down so I I have a better understanding Mm -hmm. of if they're doing, you know, voices or if there's, like, an accent or something instead of it just being like... And sounded like a chipmunk, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I will say, however, that um, this is the first book that I, I really had a hard time with the narrator the it wasn't her accent so um because she does have kind of like an eastern european accent and that wasn't the issue for me it was the cadence oh interesting so i couldn't tell when a sentence ended is is the was the issue yeah and so it took me a a little bit longer to get through uprooted because sometimes i would actually get frustrated because i've missed so much Mm -hmm. that i would stop and then just go read it on my kindle and then i would be like oh that's why or like oh i missed this whole thing (laughs) 
<laughs> now, I, 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 I'm really curious. Have you ever, and this is this is something I used to do in grad school because I had to read a lot, mm-hmm. way faster than I'm comfortable oh, with. Oh, so we should probably tell people too. So what is your background? Oh, um, um, this is Cole speaking, by the way. Uh, <laughs> my background, I uh, just actually graduated with a, a master's degree in literature and another one in book publishing. Uh, I'm a writer and I'm a freelance editor right now, which is wild that that's a thing I can do for a living. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's fantastic. And um, I like to read, if you couldn't tell. What's your background, Mary? (laughs) Uh, So my, I don't have nearly the the fanciful background that you have. Um, I just really love reading and I, I just love cooking and I'm full of opinions and um, I needed to tell them up to someone other than my husband. <laughs> You're li- I, I, honestly, you are literally probably my favorite person to talk to about books. Oh, yeah, you too. So, <laughs> I feel like this is this is going to be the best. And, and uh, my I'm a uh, healthcare worker, so mm-hmm. my more of my stuff is just going to be like, mm, see if he gets stabbed that way, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> see, and that's something that the people need to know. <laughs> people need to hear this. Um, uh, But yeah, no, when it comes to this book specifically, I'm curious if you listen to it while reading along, because that's something I I used to do, um, is I'd have the physical book or the ebook in front of me and then listen to an audiobook at like three times speed. I also like listening to the audiobook too, because then I know how to pronounce it. But then I learned that not all, not all the time is that even correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay. Yeah. That's that's something that I've learned through just learning about the book industry and how audiobooks are made, which hopefully we can get into at some point in the future, but not necessarily right now. Um, that those things can be highly arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really excited to talk about this book though, because um, like I mentioned, this this specific book was given to me as a gift from like this wonderful customer who used to come into a coffee shop I worked at and we would talk about books and he tried to read it and it just wasn't for him and which is totally fine I get it but he's he's wrong this time this is an <laughs> excellent bu- this is an excellent book and it has I one loved of- it oh yeah how do you get better than the first line of this book our dragon doesn't eat the girls he takes no matter what the stories say outside our valley mm-hmm. it's like one of that's like the the best starting line <laughs> in fantasy books period i i will fight this is the hill i die on <laughs> this is where i'm going to go um, but before I get too deep into the book, or before we get too deep in the book, um, I think that it would be good just to kind of discuss to the listener with the listeners what our format's going to be like. Yeah, sure. Um, so f- this whole podcast was inspired by our love of reading and our love of cooking and how those two things intersect. Um, so we are going to be talking about books. Um, most of them will be two episodes long because we want to get into it. Um, and then we're also cooking things that go along with the books. They're inspired by them, specifically mentioned in them in many cases, or they're something that like we create on our own as an homage to the book if we can't find something that's perfect. 
Um, so this week I did the, the cooking and next week Mary will do the cooking. And I think it's important too. So whenever Cole does uh, the cooking, she is vegan. Mm-hmm. And so her recipes, and we'll have these on our website too, so you guys can see what we're cooking and follow along, and there'll be a calendar that'll tell you um, what we'll be reading next and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, so all of her recipes will be vegan, yeah. and all of mine will be primarily traditional. Yeah. So you guys can get uh, kind of a mix of both both uh, dietary. Yeah. Funness. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think we're not going to be making just two different versions of the same thing. Not at all. Um, so... I uh, I know that I know for a fact that you're not doing the thing that I did for this episode. No, so, um, but you can find pictures of that on. I think we're gonna put it on our social media yep. and on our website. Yep, we'll yeah. have a Facebook and an Instagram. I'm fighting against Twitter, but <laughs> I, I think we'll get a Twitter. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> and then um, and then we'll have a website as well. But you'll be able to see all of our uh, our lovely baked goods or our lovely savory goods. We can have one of our lovely. Um, Scribes, is that what we're gonna call them? Yep. Uh, our lovely scribes, our or minion scribes. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> handle the Twitter account because I, or I'm terrified of social media. Like you don't even have social media, so I it would be me. Technically, do but what? I don't like no. Like I signed up for Instagram and I haven't even filled out the rest of the you profile. Don't have social media? <laughs> I <then>. don't. No. <laughs> And I think the last time I tweeted was like 2016. <clears throat> so Twitter just all the, you know, like Facebook is just a dumpster fire. So like I really only go there for like my book stuff, like my book fan pages. And then Instagram is fun, and it's just, it's just like my peaceful little world. And then Twitter. Twitter makes me angry. <laughs> we are recording this in 2021. So yeah, this so is, that's fair. This is, at least it's not still um, last summer. Uh, but, you know, yeah. we don't need to anyway. get into any of that. Uh, so uh, well, let's talk about this book instead. <laughs> so yeah, so then, uh, and then actually going into Uprooted, um, I was really taken back by how beautifully she describes landscapes oh my god how could you start with that one because that's all i want to talk about that's not true i want to talk about so much she is her writing is so gorgeous and this i mean may seem like a naomi novik podcast because the next book we're going to do is also by her um but we will switch it up i promise we will switch it up but i'm also hesitant to switch it up because her writing is so incredible i just want to live in it like i just want to dip myself down into it like a bath and just stay there well and what i also think is cool is like i this book is a com uh i think we were talking about it earlier but it's a combination of a lot of different um sort of polish uh Russian and um, Ukrainian folk tales. Yeah, um, I think we were mentioning like Baba Yaga's a little bit, and um, you said something about the twelve dancing, the twelve dancing princesses. Yeah, which I mean, for me, oh, did we mention at the top? Let's mention it now. If we didn't mention it at the top, oh, there spoilers. will be tons of spoilers. <laughs> there will be tons of spoilers. <laughs> We're going to be doing a lot of spoiling things. So we, <laughs> we super recommend getting the book and reading along with us. Or um, if this is something that you're interested in, if you're fine with spoilers, keep listening. Um, otherwise, 
I highly recommend reading it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. It's a little bit um, Beauty and the Beast, also, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's let's talk about how it starts, how it opens. Um, so it opens up in this this smaller village, and um, there's a dragon who is a sorcerer. It's a man, not an actual like beast. Which took me a long time to figure that out. <laughs> and so, because um, they were talking about, like, you know, the dragon comes down when we need, you know, people are sick or he needs to help with a blight or, mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. And he he comes down with all those things. And I'm just like, that for a dragon, that sounds like a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I, I absolutely think that's intentional, though. Like, yeah. the, he... The fact that he's kind of a stand-in for the the mythological dragon is, I think, what she's going for in these first, like, few pages. Well, and so he, every year, there's, like, a like a thanks that they give him like a like a feast or something i don't really know what you would call that but i assume it's kind of like giving him taxes yeah there you <laughs> go and so every year he comes down from his tower and he takes a girl and keeps her for 10 years and the villagers don't know what happens with the girls they never see them again and um so a lot is assumed Mm-hmm. Um, and so we meet Agnieszka, mm-hmm. and she's the main girl in this story. I love her. She's oh messy. Love her so much. She's a tomboy. Like <laughs> she's <laughs> dirty. She, she does not care what anybody thinks about mm-hmm. her, but in like the most posi- like positive way. It, I think it would be, would have been so easy to uh, fall into that I'm not like other girls sort of trope mm-hmm. and they absolutely don't do that here as a character she could have gone so sideways in that that very tropey over considered kind of way that you know she's supposed to be different than the other girls of the village specifically she's like compared to Kasia her best friend um, and sort of neighbor uh, well not in just the village in the, the whole valley area um, and uh, Kasha or Kasia, uh she's she's like beautiful put together she's the protagonist yeah. <laughs> like if, if you're like if you were to see her you'd be like that's that's the one that's going to fuck everything up <laughs> exactly and i think that, that that's really how um Agnieszka looks at her as well is that she is she is the special one mm-hmm. and so as a foil to that our our actual main character i think she's really written well and she's so relatable and i love her she's she's just like she's very clumsy and you know it's it's she's not apologetic for it yeah. you know she's just kind of like you know, if all of these other girls are in their like finery dresses and they're lined up waiting for the dragon mm-hmm. to to pick one of them and everybody thinks he's going to pick Kasha. Yeah. And um and it turns out that he chooses Agnieszka. Mm-hmm. And the dragon takes her to his tower, which is like on the just on the outskirts of this valley that everybody lives in. Um, just to touch on a, briefly before we delve back into the plot, the landscape that it's set in is a valley that's skirted by a big forest, and then there's a bunch of villages in the valley, and there's um, a river called the Spindle, 
uh, and um, uh, the dragon's tower overlooks it all, and it's just right at, at the foothills of these mountains. Um, and that's where she gets taken to. She didn't even get to say goodbye to her family, which I thought mm-hmm. was super rude. Yeah. Like, she's going <laughs> away for 10 years. Like, let her say goodbye. Yeah. Like, let her let her have a hug. <laughs> and then I remember, too, I wrote down in my notes, when they get to the tower, so she has to make him uh, his meals uh, mm-hmm. every day and clean, even though the tower is magical and cleans itself. Yep. Um, <clears throat> at one point, um, he, so the dragon loves beautiful things. Yeah. And that's another reason that everybody thought Kasha was going to get chosen is because she's beautiful and Agnieszka is very plain. And at one point he says that she has a horsed face. And I was like, how rude. (laughs) She made your food. And then you say, and then you say that she has a horse face. Yeah. I'd be like, well, guess who's making their own food from now on? Guess who gets. I'm going to go feed my horse face. To deal with that. (laughs) Um, I also love though that, and everybody who's ever worked a job listening to this will probably also understand. She is given absolutely no expl- explanation of what her expectations are when no. she gets there. It's like being on your first day at work and there's literally no training. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> tells you anything to do and it's just yep. like, do your job. She just, just like, what? what is it? She just figures out that where her room is. <laughs> like, she just kind of wanders <laughs> around until she finds the kitchen and she does find these sort of clandestine notes from one of the previous girls who had been taken but not necessarily in like time to prepare her for certain things. No, um, she has she no finds idea. Them a little too late. <laughs> she finds them a little too late, and she has no idea why she's there. So of course she thinks the same sort of things that the rest of her village thinks. So everybody in the valley assumes that he's taking these women, you know, for sex or for you know servitude. His own gain, basically. Exactly. Um, so she's also under the assumption that that's why she's there is to be his servant to be she does not want to do that (laughs) no she has no interest well i mean he did say the horse face yes yeah like i'm not no thank you you're gonna say i'm a horse face and then you want to have sex with me yeah i don't remember the page exactly but at one point she says that she doesn't owe him beauty and i this is the the quote. It says, I was a glaring blot on the perfection in his tower, but I didn't care. I didn't feel like I owed him beauty. I felt like I owed him nothing. Ugh. Chills. Yes. Absolutely. Chills. Well, especially like so many female bodied people and female identifying people mm-hmm. are like enculturated to think that beauty is inherently valuable and in this book she's really decoupling those two things it's not her worth has nothing to do with how she looks and her feelings about how she looks has nothing to do with how other people perceive her well and she's learning to cook and all of this stuff all by her own in like this giant kitchen and so she's she's gonna be messy oh my god he he constantly every time she goes into his library he gives her shit about like her appearance Mm -hmm. and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and and my whole thought is just like she's cleaning she's cooking for you and she has to look cute too Oh, yeah. No. It's just the 50s housewife. It's, <laughs> yeah. You've got to be the whole package and then some. Um, it, there's there's no room for anything that is not beautiful in the dragon's world. At one point, I remember she, she like, threw up or something because she was, like, really scared or something like that. And, um, 
and she used her own dress to clean it up and then yeah. went and cooked him dinner and like he was still rude to her and I'm just like she just threw up be nice get her a broth <laughs> yes get a broth <laughs> get, like, get her help towel. her <laughs> so then uh, we actually learn that um, she herself is magical mm-hmm. and so the dragon uh wants to start teaching her smaller cantrips. Do you know the difference between like a spell and a cantrip? I know the difference between a spell and a cantrip in the Dungeons and Dragons way. What is that? (laughs) So it's the only way. A cantrip is like a pithy sort of thing that you can just kind of do. Like, like, you can just do it. it um, in the context of food... Because he was giving her cleaning cantrips. Yeah. In the context of food, it's like nuking yourself something real quick or putting in a piece of toast. Um, whereas a spell is something that takes concentration and work and energy. So it would be like cooking yourself a dinner. Um, so it's a cantrip you can do as many times as you need. Like, it's just like, it's a freebie. It's a wild card. You can just do it as many times. Hmm. Um, but of course, like this is, I think she's making a little bit of a a reference to Dungeons and Dragons there. So I like that. I think that's really neat. At one point, she goes into the library and she picks up a book and Mm -hmm. she just, it's not what you know, it's not like she's like, oh, like I've been told about the dragon, he has all these cool things, I'm going to go see what they're all about. No, Mm -hmm. she's just bored and she wants to read like any other woman. And so she this is, goes, this is the the Beauty and the Beast moment of yes, her walking into the yes. library. And it's like this monstrous library. Yeah. And so she just picks up this random book, but as she's reading it, she can't like it feels good to her mm-hmm. and it feels right to her, but she can't remember what she just read. Yeah. And she keeps going. Mm-hmm. Well, the dragon comes in and sees her and thinks now that she's a spy mm-hmm. and loses his shit he loses his shit and of course she's not gonna take that shit no (laughs) (laughs) and then so she actually asks if she's working for the falcon Mm -hmm. and this is the first time we hear about uh any other sorcerer any other kingdom anything like that anybody else with like a title like Mm -hmm. the dragon and he also asks if uh, she's spying for the king Mm -hmm. he works for the king so I wonder what's that about (laughs) oh you know one thing that I learned too in this book is um, breakfast dinner and supper oh yeah because I'm on the we're on the west coast yeah and so I've only I've only ever heard it as breakfast lunch and dinner Mm -hmm. so is that more of like a older sort of thing is for like the supper because i also know that's like a midwestern thing it's also a canadian thing so like that's that's something that like my grandma would do she'd be like it's time for supper instead of it's time for dinner and dinner just historically has from like my understanding anybody correct me if i'm wrong here um dinner just historically means the biggest meal of the day so Ah. that french influence in canada specifically was Mm -hmm. like oh hey lunch is going to be your biggest meal um and then it in america for the most part people's biggest meal of the day is the latest meal of the day (laughs) so that's interesting that's what my understanding of it i could be pulling that out of nowhere i could be (laughs) like the dragon just using a cantrip and making that up So then um, he starts teaching her magic, and this was my favorite part, is she is he teaches her venestulum, or yeah. ven, uh, venestulum. I, I, in my head, I pronounced it as venestalum, but I 
Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't on, know. <laughs> on, on Audible, it was Vanessa Delem. That's great. Um, yeah. But it's, she can change her clothes, mm-hmm. and she can change them into these just fancy, really, like, uh... Over the, top. over the top gowns and that's what bone. he changes her into yes that's true because uh, he uses that word first on her mm-hmm. right instead of she using it on herself yeah because then it's explained that um the way that you say the magic words like the vowels and if you slightly change something it'll change what clothes you wear or whatever you're trying to do with that particular spell which i thought was really neat because anytime i'm so like good. i don't like my outfit Vanestulum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something I want to get into a little bit later on is the ways that the magic works in this book. I am so fascinated by it. So a couple more characters that are introduced is Prince Malik. She just said it all, folks. (laughs) Listen. And anybody who hasn't read this yet, prepare to want to dropkick a man out of a tower. Oh, what that is what a creep. Uh, so he shows up with the Falcon, who is another sorcerer, mm-hmm. and he is just as gross. Just as nasty. And um, they, in, in like a lugubrious social climber kind of like way. He's like the old man that, it, just like the creepy old man. He's just the creepy old man. Yeah, Malik is the, the douche bro who yes. like knows yeah. how important he is mm-hmm. and how much money his daddy has. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell you. And there's all these stories, too, about uh, Prince Malik uh, defeating all of these monsters. Like the Hydra and stuff. Yeah, like, and I think later you find out like the, it was actually like a baby Hydra. And <laughs> yeah. so like, it, it changes his, uh, his the, the way you see him a little bit. Yeah. So, <laughs> this might be one of my favorite parts of the book. Mm-hmm. So he tries to sexually assault her yeah. to um, uh, essentially like put a slight on the the dragon because it's also assumed outside of the valley. So the the prince and the sorcerer come from the capital city, mm-hmm. um, and they also think that the woman that the dragon takes is like his mistress, his sexual slave. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's like, oh, I'm gonna cuckold this guy is his ultimate revenge on the dragon for not doing what he wants <laughs> um, is infuriating. But um, you know. I am not going to scream yet, because I have more to scream about. <laughs> but, uh, Mary, how about you tell us the reason why Malik wants to spite the... So, I guess uh, another big part of this book that we need to explain is the wood. Yeah. We're <laughs> a little deep into this book. <laughs> so, <laughs> we probably should have wrapped this up a long time ago. Um, do you want to explain what the wood is? Yeah, for sure. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, one of my absolute favorite tropes in reading is a carnivorous forest, and this is what we're dealing with in the valley. So the the wood itself is um, the one that is skirting the valley, and the um, river disappears into it, and the trees are encroaching on the valley, but they seem to have a personality. Several of them can get up and walk. There are um, stick creatures that um, they call them walkers that come out and try and steal people and livestock. And um, on top of that, there's pollen that starts to fall around the valley. You can't even breathe it. You can't even breathe it because it corrupts everything it Mm -hmm. touches. So it's this, it's, 
an infection that's slowly spreading through the valley. And um, when it comes to Prince Malik, his mother disappeared into the woods many years ago. There's uh, like a legend talked about the yeah, story about it. And people sing songs about this and, and basically were told that uh, a Rosian prince, which is a um, another ta- another a country country, yeah. um, steals the queen and uh, they, how, for whatever reason, they end up in the wood and that was 20 years ago and nobody's ever gone in to try and find them mm-hmm. because the wood is so corrupted. Mm-hmm. Also, if you get corrupted, it's instant death. You yeah. have to be put to death. Yeah. Um, at this point, nobody's been ever able to cleanse somebody of the corruption. I think the dragon can cleanse somebody of like what? What does he call it? Like a third degree corruption yeah, or something? Yeah. I can't remember the exact <laughs> phrasing, but it's like the ten degrees of te- Kevin Bacon or whatever. <laughs> like, like, it's like a, it's not somebody who's been like corrupted directly by the trees but might have eaten a piece of fruit that fell down Mm -hmm. um but it takes so much of his magic to cleanse somebody that it's almost not worth his time to even try to like fix people who have been in the woods for more (laughs) than like four seconds well and so um part of the reason that prince malik is such an asshole is he oh is it because he's uh, the patriarchy? Yeah. Oh, oh I think oh, that's is he a straight white male? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh weird. weird. Hmm. In, in a seat of power? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, if you're uncomfortable with what we just said, you can stop listening to this yeah, podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just um, an advisory right there. So Prince Malik, to slate the dragon, tries to sexually assault Agnieszka. Mm-hmm. She is not having it. And uh, she then beats his head in <laughs> with a serving tray. Like, beats it in. Oh, like, it fully is a- dense, the, the silver tray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he did. Mostly dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> Which means still slightly alive. I've heard, I've heard tell. You've heard tell? <laughs> Um, and so at, the, at that point, the dragon comes in upon discovering what's going on and hearing the sounds presumably below um, and finds this woman standing with a, like a severely distorted silver serving tray and a severely distorted Prince Malik on the ground bleeding and dying. Mm-hmm. Well, and the dragon's mad. Oh, he's furious. Furious. Not at the prince. But at her. Because she was supposed to expect this or something? Yeah, she was supposed to go, what a, oh yeah. And the other thing that the dragon says is, your, uh, and I may be misquoting this, but he says something about, the, like, your, your virtue is not worth the life of the crown prince. And I was just like, we have differences of opinion. <laughs> yeah, we have very different opinions. <laughs> oh, I will say, and uh, this isn't me being, I, I promise I'm not just trying to be a, an um, actually jerk. He's the second prince. He's just the yes. best known one. Yes. So there fair. is a crown prince who comes in a little bit later, but. Oh, so he's not actually the crown prince. He's just a prince. He is the second prince, but he's like the all-star prince. So the, oh, the, um older brother is technically crowned yes oh yeah. i see he's I the see. he's the spare i guess he's the spare <laughs> he's the donut okay <laughs> he's the donut i like that 
so then we learn that the dragon is going to change his memories mm-hmm. and make him fine, so that way Agnashka isn't put to death. <laughs> yeah, so he heals the prince using all of this magic, but by change his memories, we mean make the prince think that he had sex with her. Yeah, because that's a nice... Because that's how fixing it works, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. Oh, just I... give him a good memory. Just give Fine. him the memory... Well, and it's specifically he wanted it to be a disappointing memory oh, of a sexual yeah. encounter. Just worse. So he wouldn't try anything again. <laughs> and like... Come on! <laughs> it's like, what do I want my name attached to? Like, really bad like, sex? My or arms like... are tingling so bad I want to punch these guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry. And so the the dragon agrees to start teaching Agnieszka more magic. Mm-hmm. And instead of becoming essentially like his servant, she becomes more of... His student. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, what's another word for that? Like, Ward. Pupil. Yes. Pupil. Pupil. Um, <laughs> and I love the way their magic is so different. Yeah. And I know that you wanted to go into that oh, a little I bit more. Oh, I super do. Yeah. yeah. If we're cool with that. The, just the, the fact that in fantasy novels and in fantasy stories, there's often only like one kind of magic. There's like the one straight and narrow um, approach to magic. And I like the fact that Novik complicates this book by having more than one option. And it's really cool to see. So the, the sort of metaphor that I came up with while I was thinking about their types of magic is hers is more organic and his is more like industrial. Hers it's, is messy. Hers is messy, mm-hmm. and it's like, it is, hers is cooking, and his is baking. Like, his has to be very methodical to a point. Mm-hmm. He has to say things the exact right way. He has to have the exact right ingredients. Mm-hmm. And hers is more a means to an end. So long as you get to the the ultimate thing you're trying to make, it doesn't matter which which recipe you use. Mm-hmm. So it's her metaphor in the book is that she's like walking through a forest and he's staying on a road. Yeah. And it's he it has to stay on this road and she's meandering through deer trails and well, taking like, shortcuts. And I like too that he has he it's mentioned somewhere in the book that he speaks with very his, he speaks his spells with very long vowels mm-hmm. and very hard consonants. Yeah. Where she sings it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I love, I love that. It. I love it. It's, it's, she, she sings it and she also improvises the whole time. Which drives the dragon nuts. Because he's never seen this kind of magic before. He, it's to the different. point, to yeah. the point that he doesn't think it's real. Mm-hmm. Like she's cheating him somehow, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons that he thinks that she's a spy for so long. Yeah. Is yeah. that she is doing magic he can't deny that but she's not doing it in any way that he's done before he's he's seen done before and we should mention too there are other uh wizards in this world but he is the strongest yes and that's part of the reason that he is trying to um that he lives in this tower by himself is he's trying to help combat the woods mm-hmm. while the other wizards are helping like the kingdom with weapons because they're also going to go to war with Rosia yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah, so their magic is very interesting cuz in my brain too I have it as his is very mathematical yeah. and and hers is more music. 
Yeah, Hers is that's more, a really good is, way to put that. It's more like, uh, instead of, you know, like a hard, you know, two and two plus equals four. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a song where this this melody doesn't match with this, this rhythm, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put that. <laughs> I like that. And I, I think the fact that it is complicated mm-hmm. and she throws herself fully into it. Oh, she loves it. Uh, she loves it. Yeah. And the fact that she's willing to fight him on it at every level. Yes. I just absolutely yeah. adore. Well, and she finds these this one particular spell book that he didn't even think was a spell book. He yeah. just he, he thought it was like notes. <laughs> yes, he thought it was somebody's notes, but they were actual spells that she could do. Mm-hmm. And the spell book is specifically Baba Yaga's spell book. Who is this? She she lived so long ago that people don't even think she was real. Yeah. Like she was this fairy tale. But yeah. she finds her her spell books, and it's almost like Baba Yaga. And I and I thought maybe there would be some like familiarity there, but mm-hmm. not that I. Yeah, we're not talking about the Baba Yaga with the chicken no. feet house. <laughs> we're talking about um, it's supposed to be a very old, very powerful yeah. sorceress, almost like. Like if this world had its own Baba Yaka. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, the, the way that they mm-hmm. mash against each other and make it work, I think is really awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And yeah. that she can use this magic and he didn't even think it was like Possibly. a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's the, th- one of the many things about her is that, that sets her apart is that she is doing something that should be impossible uh, according to his rules. Mm-hmm. But, but she realizes rules. that his rules are arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Just like his rules for dressing and just like his rules for how he's supposed to be served and oh, just like all of these social yes. rules that she doesn't fit into. And I think that... Um, it really completes her character to have her magic be messy like that too. Well, and going back to uh, Vanestalem, so she she realizes that if she says it, and if she you know slurs the words or she changes a vowel, it's a completely different meaning to yeah. her. And she could actually instead of these like grand whalebone corset dresses, she just wears dresses that are comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and her style. (laughs) Well-made, comfortable, her style clothes. Yes. And that is, honestly, I think, the magic trick I would want. Yeah, that me too. I don't know how to dress myself with magic to it. Go with a t-shirt. Let's go. There we go. (laughs) So he starts teaching her magic, and um, he is called away because he needs to go and take care of a chimera. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a chimera is? A chimera is a mythical creature originally told in heroic stories in ancient Greece and Rome um, that's an amalgam of a bunch of different monsters. So you've got like a lion head and an eagle and like a serpent tail. Mm So she is supposed to stay in the tower. She's not supposed to do nothing. She's not supposed to touch nothing. She's supposed to not read anything. She better not even breathe. Yeah, like, God help her if she farts. So, um, Kill no. So, but unfortunately, something's going on in her town, and uh, some villagers come to the tower. She decides to leave. She takes some potion bottles with her, um, ends up running into Kasha. Specifically, I think... Um, it's important to note one of the potions that she brings is mm-hmm. one that's called Fireheart, which plays a big role, big role. in the mm-hmm. in the story. So it comes up uh, frequently, and it's like the napalm of this world. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's like an uh, an intensely hot burning fire 
bomb that but it takes a lot of gold to make and like 10 years and 10 to years grow. to make like one vial of it right yeah 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 and um and if a little bit touches anything it just the fire is so hot and yeah. and it's crazy yeah so she runs into Kasha, and uh, Kasha tells her that the this um, man in town, Yerzi, has been corrupted, and they need her help. Well, they need the dragon's help, well, is what she said for. Yes, that's but right. he's <laughs> conveniently gone. <laughs> yeah. So she decides, you know what? I've been learning for, like, a week. I'm good at this. I'm going to go. <laughs> I, I really appreciate her moxie. <laughs> She's yeah. just like... Fuck it. I can be the dragon. I don't need him. I got his potion. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I got Fireheart. Let's go. Let's make this happen. So um, they end up going to Yerzy, and mm-hmm. she can't uncorrupt him. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it's it's like a the wood is a being. Yeah, this is, I think, the moment when you start to realize that the wood has an intelligence. And is, is sentient, yeah. Yeah, and it's like a collective instead of, it's like a hive mind. The mm-hmm. trees and the pollen and the, everything is yeah. working together. And it's like this this being starts taunting her through Yerzy, which yeah. is, just gave me the heebies. I love, the, I, I love that scene because, like, yeah. so much of the the story had been kind of that... I don't know, that um, enchanted sort of beautiful fantasy mind space. And then it just got dark. <laughs> like, it got dark. dark. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, unfortunately, she doesn't want to kill him because that's not her style. And she she wants these people to be saved. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the potion bottles that she had taken with her if you pour it on somebody, they turn to stone. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is they don't die. It, yeah. It's They are fully aware yeah. of what's happening to them yeah. while they're in stone, they're just which like, is important for later. You know of what you imagine you're doing when you play freeze tag? Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so she ends up leaving him and uh, going back to the tower. Mm-hmm. So, um, her and his poor wife. Oh my so his God, wife, Christina. Yurzi, yeah, Yurzi's uh, wife is pregnant, and oh, she right. is. Yep. She's just like completely devastated that her husband has been has been um, corrupted, but also their cows were corrupted, and they're very yeah. poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had taken them a long time to build up to getting cows in the first place. And the town had to come together to kill the cows. Yeah. And they all use... And they this use, whole town is just is very upset. I love that, though. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, not that they're upset or that they had to kill the cows. <laughs> let, me, let me clarify what I'm getting at. It's, I love that the entire town doesn't even question it. They mm-hmm. all just come together and they do this, like, big work together. Well, and it just, it made me so sad because the the cows are corrupted and everything's corrupt. They, they unfortunately have to put the animals down. Yeah. And they use Fireheart. Yeah. And that was rough. It was rough. That was very it rough. It was rough. But then also, before she makes it back to the tower, because she, that was what she was planning on doing, is just heading back, mm-hmm. is when they're attacked by wolves yeah, when that come out the of the tower. forest. Mm-hmm. Like, um, So she was about to leave, and she and Kasha are um, attacked, and the dragon shows back up and saves her. And the dragon gets bitten by one of the corrupted wolves. Yes. 
Um, so Kasha tries to use the life elixir that he used on Prince Malik, but it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so then she tries to take him to the tower, mm-hmm. and she finds that uh, in the the journal from Baba Yaga, she, f- she finds some healing spells. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so she is able to take rosemary and lemon and um, starts binding his wounds. Mm-hmm. And she's singing because, A, it helps her and makes it easier for her, and it's probably just a way to help her anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and my... I- Sorry to interrupt. Oh, you're good. It just actually occurred to me that, like, the two things that she puts in this are food things. Yes. Like, they're food stuffs. It's Mm -hmm. something that many people would have just hanging around. It's not the kinds of things that he uses for his magic. It's not, like, I don't know, some really hard-to-find alchemical thing. It's not gold. It's not, you know... Well, and it's sulfur. just, I just love how much it annoys him. Oh, yeah. Like, she's oh. trying to save his life, and he's annoyed at the singing. And the entire time, he's <laughs> sitting here, like, trying to, like, physically hold back the corruption, doing his own um, spell, like, holding back a snake bite, almost, mm-hmm. while she's yeah. trying to purge him of it, using her little... Like home remedy, as far as he's concerned. Yes, that's a perfect way. Home re- remedy. That's yeah. a perfect way to say that. Well, and I love that she doesn't know what healing spell to use because she's still new to all of this. Mm-hmm. So what she does is she she sings this this. Uh, healing spell in the tune of Happy Birthday, like what their version, I guess, of Happy Birthday is. I love that. Is. I, I love, like, I initially thought of the Happy Birthday song that we're all familiar with in the United States. But yeah. And I went, no, no, no. There's no way that's the same tune. And to me, that just feels like a really good moment of world building because yeah. it acknowledges that this is a thing that they also celebrate, <laughs> but it also doesn't give us the actual tune because anybody who's supposedly reading this would already know it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what like the the Russian or Polish happy birthday song is. Oh I wonder. I wonder. But that was one of my more happy like happy moments of this book and I literally Uh, happy birthday moments. Yeah in my in my book I was like she sings happy birthday Um, like, can you imagine, like, you're trying not to die of this horrifying wood, dis- like, woods magic disease. Oh, it's awful. And your terrible apprentice, who you think is terrible, but is actually great, but you're also a dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you put yourself in that mindset for a moment. It's just start singing happy birthday and putting lemon on you. Like, <laughs> but then it works. And it it's even did. more infuriating. Mm-hmm. It did. And he didn't think it was going to. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. So he uh, starts to teach her more advanced spells, and um, they start to combine their magic together and kind mm-hmm. of feeding each other their magic. Yeah. And um, he starts with this illusion spell of a rose. Which is an intense moment. It is. Oh, y'all. Oh, yeah. It is like, intense. Like, it, it, the book definitely gives this impression they're that... They're starting to catch feelings, y'all. They're catching feelings. Well, he's, like, starting to realize that he can't just be an asshole. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's important. But also... That she actually is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, more than anything, the the moment that they do this illusion spell together, which is a beautiful moment, um, it 
really points out just how intimate something like that would be. Yeah. It's like sharing bodily fluids. It's something yeah, inside that's of a good it's way to say that. Like sex. There's mm-hmm. there's something about you combining with another person. Yeah, and it makes both their magic stronger. Yeah. Which makes, which surprised him. In a huge way. And then deeply embarrassed. Him. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like they the this sorry, you were explaining the scene and then I just like hijacked it like the corruption (laughs) (laughs) so um he's trying to teach her an illusion spell and this spell comes up later too Mm -hmm. which is really important and so they're able to make a single rose but as they realize you know they're catching feelings and he's not only feeding her magic but her magic is also feeding his Mm um that they they kind of have like they their illusion goes nuts and makes almost like a, a nursery mm-hmm. inside his tower and yeah. and I I really want you guys to go back and just read how Naomi describes this this building of this nursery and yeah. you know vines crawling on the windows and on the cement and trying to find you know a way out of the tower it just it was beautifully written absolutely and so intense because you can I could feel his concern too also I think it's the first moment that he has any sort of vulnerability yes. that's shown yes it's that he realizes that she's like Mm-hmm. having an effect on him and he doesn't know how to deal with and that. And he has effect on his magic. Yeah. Which he doesn't like. <laughs> well, like you said earlier, he's the most powerful magician in this world. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she can like impact that thing that makes him who he is mm-hmm. is huge. So the town comes to check on the dragon because unfortunately if he's corrupted, they have to kill him. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he's not. He's fine. Mm-hmm. So, they also explained to him that Kasha has been taken. Mm-hmm. They saw three walkers come in and take her and drag her into, into the, the forest, mm-hmm, into the wood. <laughs> so when we talk about the walkers, in my brain, I just um, I think they're either South American or African stick bugs. Oh, interesting. And that's what I picture, but on like a much grander scale. Yeah. So she she decides she's going to go in and try and save Kasha somehow. Which, like, can I just segue for a second? Like, the the female relationships in this book... Are very strong. Oh, they're so good. Mm -hmm. But, like, the... They have a gravity to them. Mm-hmm. It's like you can imagine them having their own pull and their own weight, and they make so much happen in the books that I think is so often missed when people are writing female characters, yeah. especially in the family. The family, well, the fantasy. <laughs> the fantasy. I think I said yeah, and I, it's because I heard what you meant and not what you said, so I just went along. With can you it? just keep hearing what I mean? That would do a lot for my anxiety. Um, but the. Uh, the uh, the fantasy genre his like again I will I will talk gently with whom whomever wants to talk to me <laughs> about this um, but I will go down fighting and say that fantasy historically has not done a great service to women no um, female identified people people assigned female at birth like and all that's of cool. them. This is Cole. All the people that want to send an email. Salutations, (laughs) send them to me, and I will 
happily <laughs> engage in this conversation off air um, and not embroil Mary in my feuds. Um, <laughs> oh no, I love feuds. Yeah. Bring me into that. No, I'll I'll come and sit on Mary's couch and then just, <laughs> can you believe what this person said? Um, but it historically hasn't done female characters well, um, and I think that one of the things that Naomi Novik is doing so well is showing just how important these relationships are. Mm-hmm. This is her best friend. I. Would they've grown up together? I would walk into the ocean and light it on fire for my best friend. This is Ren. So Cole Cole's sister is her best friend and her name is Ren. Yes. And so this is they've grown up together, they live together. Like we call them the sisters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I I have Never needed to test my metal when it comes to what I would do for my best friend, but there is nothing I wouldn't consider. <laughs> There's so. that pop song, too, that's really popular right now. It's like, my best friend, she a real bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You, miss, you but, guys missed my little jig, too. Oh, to it was, with it. I need you to know it was transcendent. <laughs> It was, I, there was, there was so much shoulder happening and the head movement was perfect. It was great. Um, it was sublime. It truly was. Um, but the, the fact that that was her motivating factor for this huge Mm -hmm. choice made so much sense to me. And then I, I remembered like, as she was going into the woods, start, I think I started crying at that part the first time I read through and like the second time, which is what, cause you can feel the urgency. You can feel the urgency. The longer she's in the woods, the worse it's going to be. Oh yeah, exactly. And the moment the moment I realized why I was crying was because I it was because I'd never seen something like that in a fantasy book before Mm -hmm. she was specifically told not to even try it she'd been told her entire life never to try it and the most important thing to her was making sure her friend was okay and that ugh is so powerful well and the whole time too the dragon is just like she's dead and he you just need to give up on her like there's no empathy there Mm -hmm. it's just like she's she's dead dude Sorry. <laughs> There's no point in even trying. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Yeah. And so she's she doesn't care. So mm-hmm. she um she was gifted uh from Kasha's mother who told her about Kasha's disappearance and yeah. all of that stuff gave her a lock of hair. Mm-hmm. Um that initially her mom was going to keep because again everybody thought Kasha was going to get taken, so that was the only thing her mom was going to have. Yeah. And um and so she uses it as like a, a beacon spell to find Kasha through the woods. And so so she goes. She's she's headed in there, she's by herself. <laughs> she does not hesitate. No, yeah. not for one second. Yeah. And she doesn't um, know where she is. No. She doesn't know like how how to navigate these woods. She's she, not very powerful yet. She still doesn't know she doesn't even know a spell to to purify somebody, mm-hmm. to, to even get the corruption out. She doesn't know how to fight. Yeah. Like, she... Can you just imagine her going in and doing karate? <laughs> karate. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but she goes in. She goes in with one of Baba's Yaga's journal, and she uses the hair as a beacon, and she is on her way to find Kasha. Yeah. Which I just was like, you go, girl. Yeah. You, I, you go. I love that. I love that part. Hey friends, it's me, Cole. I'm interrupting your regularly scheduled book rant for a brief moment because I'm so excited to introduce the very first sponsor of How to Bake a Book. 
Wild Fawn Candles. Wild Fawn is a small candle company based out of Portland, Oregon, and its founder, Ren Haynes, is a massive book nerd and a friend of the show. Needless to say, we're thrilled to be talking about these candles, not only because it allows us to help support a small, queer-owned business, but also because we genuinely love these candles. I have an absolutely obscene amount of them around my home, and I light different ones uh, to set different moods, depending on what I'm reading. Right now, I've been uh, obsessed with the Wanderlust candle. It's got this kind of coffee and something else scent that I can't quite put my finger on, but it just absolutely makes me feel like I am wrapped in a big old fuzzy blanket. I absolutely adore this candle. You can find all of their scents on their website, wildfawn.com. That's spelled W-Y-L-D-E-F-A-U-N.com. Wild Fawn's candles are handcrafted using the highest quality materials and the utmost care. They're 100% soy wax and have custom blended fragrances. These candles are perfect to add an extra kick of comfort to your day. And Wild Fawn would love to offer How to Bake a Book listeners, that's you, a limited time discount good through the end of October. To get 10% off your entire order, just use the code BAKEABOOK at their website, wildfawn.com. Again, that's W-Y-L-D-E-F-A-U-N.com. We'll put the link in the description, um, but I cannot recommend this candle enough. Get the Wanderlust. It is so worth it. It's incredible. Now back to the show. So she ends up finding this really large tree and it's not, it's, it's a very, it's not like, you know, like a normal tree. It's a very, like fantasy looking tree is the only yeah. way I can say it. Well, I mean, she, and describes, it has, she describes all of the trees as being kind of silvery in yeah, appearance. Yeah, silver leaves, silver shine, mm-hmm. um, any fruit that, and most of them are apples yeah. that these fruits um, pr- produce and you cannot eat those. You shouldn't. No, Don't no, Don't recommend no. it. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so she's able, She's she finds this tree and she sees that Kasha ha- is... Part of this tree. They, she's being consumed she's by being it. She's consumed by it. Yeah, and it's really interesting how it's written, too, because it kind of describes her skin um, being overtaken by bark. Yeah. And how part of her face looks like it should be part of the tree. There's, um, so a little piece of background about Cole. I grew up on an apple orchard. Oh, I didn't and know that. Yeah, I did. Is that why you're so sweet? Oh, yeah, apple cheeks. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why I like carnivorous trees so much in books. Um, But there's a process that you do with a lot of fruit trees called grafting, that you take a part of one tree and a part of another tree and you mush them together and then they start becoming one tree. I'm in nursing, so like that's skin grafting. Ew. (laughs) So you just take skin, you get it from a donor, yeah, whomever the donor is, dead or alive, and then that skin gets put on your skin and hopefully they melt. So exactly, Uh it's my tree. Trees in your skin getting grafted but, together but, but, into but. this monstrosity in the middle of an ethereal forest. Super regular. Super regular. <laughs> <laughs> so she's frantically trying to get Kasha out of this tree. And um, 
one of the things that she finds in Baba Yaga's journal is this spell called Fulmia. Yeah. This is a crazy spell. It's almost like an avatar earthbending style. Like she has to plant her feet into the ground and she screams this this word mm-hmm. and like, you know, the ground uh, tries to break apart and, and the tree, you know, tries to break apart and she's able to get Kasha out. Yeah. But the whole time that, um, you know, Kasha's there, the wood is speaking to her through Kasha. Yeah. And so you're looking at your best friend, and your best friend is just maniacally cackling in your face. Yeah. <laughs> well, just... she does that to me a lot. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, Kasha, I'm not talking about Red. <laughs> There's a ventriloquism that happens. Uh, yes. She's using... And that's actually mentioned a lot in the books. Yeah. The, yeah. It, she... Um, Kasha looked like a marionette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and when she gets her out, there's an impression of the actual wood itself on her skin. Yeah. So going um, going a little bit before she's able to get her out, um, you know, she does that crazy Fulmia spell and the wood is just talking about how it's going to consume everything and it's coming for her. And, you know, um, it's almost like an exorcist style, like, wah, I'm going to kill everything. Like, <laughs> super creepy. I love <laughs> What? I, I just love that connection. <laughs> I'm sorry. The exorcist. Kasha's just scream, like screaming yeah, or that is that's what, I, that's what I pictured was just like, it was like an exorcist moment where she was just screaming maniacally in her face. And... <laughs> well, Agnieszka is over on the side being an earthbender. Yes. Just like channeling Toph. <laughs> and so, um, so I just don't understand. At this point of the book, I couldn't understand what the wood was yeah. like is it is it is it an actual being somewhere is it is it just like the entire wood is just like a just a sentient ghost or something oh, and we find that out yeah. by the end of the book and it's just but the way that they're described is so menacing mm-hmm. but it's also written so beautifully that they have this this air of they look beautiful and the animals that come out of it look strange and you know the fruit that's grown is mm-hmm. shiny and stuff but you you know it's bad yeah there, i want to get a little deeper into that here in just a couple minutes mm-hmm. um but we will circle back around for anybody who, who's interested <laughs> and so um so like we said she was able to get her out of the tree mm-hmm. and um you have to remember too that just by breathing Mm-hmm. you're corrupted so she is now corrupted yeah. by going to get her friend yeah. and the dragon is, is pissed. pissed so now he has to figure out what to do with the corruption so he yeah. tries to um oh goodness what's what's the word like purge cleanse, her purge her or cleanse her mm-hmm. so the, the way i had imagined it like happening he gives her this this potion that makes her glow and it reminds me of i don't when you were a kid or yesterday or (laughs) whenever in your life did you ever stick your like thumb or finger on the top of a like um, a flashlight and just look 
through yourself. Oh, to see the blood. Yes, yes, yes. It, yes. it reminded me of that um, when he was when it was being <laughs> described. Is like just being able to look through yourself and kind of that eerie feeling. But she starts to see these almost like leech-like wisps in her body of the corruption itself. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because you know going back to the dragon. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I'm the only wizard in Polonia, and that's their yeah. their town, um, strong enough to hold the wood back. Every mm-hmm. year, it tests my strength. And he says, in once a decade or so, it makes a serious attempt, like this last assault on your own village. Yeah. And so the wood, after all that stuff happened with Yuri, and she turns him into stone. Oh, uh, Yurzi? Yurzi, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Yuri. <laughs> Yurzi, um, the wood retaliated yeah. and tried to take her village. Yeah. And what we mean by take her village, it just means overgrows everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Spreads to it. Mm-hmm. And we learn, we learn later on that there was another village a couple of miles up the road from hers that had already had that happen, uh, I think, a decade before. Um, I can't... Uh, Zatochek? Z- yeah, Zatochek. Zatochek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to say these words like I know them, how to pr- like properly <laughs> pronounce them, but I'm only hearing them from Audible. So no, that's great. No, let's go with it. <laughs> so the dragon decides... He, he purges her of her corruption because she's breathed in the woods. Yeah, it's almost like he burns it out of her. Yeah. And that's, and that's how she's... her clothes, so she's naked, y'all. Yeah, she's naked. Mm-hmm. She's standing nude, glowing, and... <laughs> But weeping she and because she she saved her friend, mm-hmm. but her friend, the the dragon has sequestered off into like this secret compartment of the mm-hmm. castle or of the tower, I guess, um, which is like underneath everything in this old tomb that um, will play a huge role later on, and it has a secret magic door that only, like, he can make it through, pretty much. Yeah, so he takes Kasha um, and semi-imprisons her in, in this tomb. Oh, super-imprisons her, not semi. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely imprisoned. And um, I think it's important to mention, too, so those trees are called heart trees. Yes, yes, sorry, sorry. Those The trees that were were trying to graft her into themselves were heart trees. And so we also learned to you that the wood hasn't always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not sure when it came. He actually can't remember. Yeah. Because he himself is fairly old. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he does, however, agree to let uh, Agnieszka see her friend. Yeah. Which I thought, at least because, you know, before he was just like, oh, she's dead. Oh well, now you can go see her. <laughs> like so, I, don't, I think, I don't I think, think that he's. Was... I think he's gaining a little bit of her empathy. I would love to have read it that way. Really, I read it. <laughs> I read it as him showing her that she was wrong. That that Kasha could be fixed or saved. Oh, that's a good. Actually, yeah. That's yeah. how. Like that's how I interpreted that scene. But I mean, I think maybe there is a bit of both happening. It could be. Um, where like it was, he brings. Agnieszka down there to see Kasha corrupted and pretty much oh, being just <laughs> super Remember mean. the exorcist thing from a minute ago? <laughs> like, um, but I think it's partly to show her, to teach mm-hmm. her a lesson almost about like what she could become because there's also... Yeah, that's actually, that's actually I think the way it was probably supposed to be 
interpreted. So, yeah. I'm but I'm such like a to generous, be loving person. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, he's gaining empathy. <laughs> I, I have, uh, over the um, time studying literature, learned to um, acknowledge people's cruelty yeah. <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> um, so the when he first brings her down into this, this tomb, mm-hmm. she sees that there's a king down there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so he kind of tells her the story about uh, there was another town, like, and you were yeah. touching on this a little bit. Oh, yeah. There was another civilization that mm-hmm. was there before um, the, the folks of Polenia came in. Or the people of Ros- uh, Ro- Rosnia or whatever. Rosnia? Rosnia or whatever. Rosnia. Roswell, New Mexico. Yes, Roswell. <laughs> and... Um, that's the fun thing with these books is we're we're gonna get corrected so much. I am totally fine. With I'm fine that. with that as well. I'm so nicely correct I'll, us nicely. Yeah, don't be a toad. <laughs> like, did I, you say chode or toad? I said toad, but I mean maybe also don't be a toad either. <laughs> like, well, don't be a chode toad. Don't that? be a toad toad. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, gross. So I just, Neither of those things are good. No. No. Uh, no, but the... the um, <laughs> <laughs> the tangents. Again, we, we welcome corrections mm-hmm. and insights that maybe we missed. Obviously, we're trying to fit an entire book that took many more hours to read. And I read. should say, we're not touching on every oh, no. single detail. And we're not even giving, like, chapter summaries. So no. we're just talking about things that we really loved. Mm-hmm. And, and we really encourage you guys to get the books that we're reading. Yeah. Or, I mean, obviously check them out from the library if that's accessible to you. Oh, anywhere. Um, yeah. yeah. I, However. Yeah. I'm, borrow yeah. them from a friend. I love Naomi Novik, so I also... Uh, think that purchasing her stuff if you are able to mm-hmm. helps support creators and she is precious and we need to protect her <laughs> <laughs> well i'm a little bit crazy when it comes to reading too because like i um if i'm working mm-hmm. if i'm working i can listen yeah. and you know do what i what i need to yeah and then, so I have, like, a, a paperback copy mm-hmm. for my nice bookshelf. And then I have a Kindle. It is a very nice bookshelf. But <laughs> honestly, the first thing I did when we came up in here was beeline to it and look at everything. So. Um, and so I have a, a Kindle version, and that's mm-hmm. what I do all my highlights and my notes yeah. on. And then, so I have three versions of the same book. No, I'm the same way. I, I think I... the. The book I've maxed out on is Frankenstein. I think I have eight copies of it. Can I tell you I've never read Frankenstein? You can tell me that. And um, will you live? Will you be? I okay? will live. Okay. Um, I I didn't read it until college, honestly, and it was assigned. Um, <laughs> and then in grad school, they I had it assigned by four separate classes and each one wow. wanted a different version but I also have like one like nice version that I will like show off mm-hmm. one that's like a loner copy and then a couple of them that I have various notes in oh, because I don't want to mark up my beautiful version no, like, I have a hard time on TikTok when I see all these people like ripping pages out or like dog ear I just I know I, it's yours you do you I just I can't do that <laughs> books are a precious thing but they are also an object <laughs> so an I, object to be to, to just be so nice to yes I, I worked in a bookstore for long enough and we had to destroy enough books that 
I'm less precious about it, but I'm also very good at making something precious. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was a tangent, but I loved it. (laughs) So going back, one thing that um, the dragon teaches her, and it comes out of the Baba Yaga book, is a protection spell. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, she burns uh, these pine needles and inhales them. And anytime she smells pine, it means something is corrupted or something around her is corrupted and she needs to back off, basically. So she does this spell and she's able to protect herself. They go see Kasha. At first, Kasha seems fine. Mm -hmm. She's normal, doesn't, you know, isn't acting weird, isn't acting strange, isn't saying anything mean. However, um, it's mentioned that she doesn't blink, which I thought was creepy. Horrifying. Creepy. Like, it's just one of those, again, not to be, like, toting on about how much I love Naomi Novik and how I (laughs) will protect her with my life, Um, but she, it's one of those very small details that just adds so much. Such a level of, which is, like, raised the stakes in, like, mm-hmm. three words. So, like, and so, and they're having this, you know, lovely conversation, and then Agnieszka smells pine. Yeah. And then she, that's when she realizes, oh, she hasn't blinked. Like, oh, there's something wrong. There's here. something wrong here. Yeah. And then the, and then whatever was in the wood watching her as she was trying to save Kasha, mm-hmm. as she can tell, is is there. Yeah. And then it turns into an exorcist moment. <laughs> yes. And but, oh, oh god. god, oh so creepy. You, you get that intelligence again, just hijacking her friend yeah. and like using her like a puppet. Yes. And it's yes. Ugh. And and it's so interesting too because at one point she says it it looked like Kasha but then it didn't yeah and it's like a whole other face came through which mm-hmm. was like even more creepy it's to me oh and imagine like that's your best friend yeah. you know but I mean I I am not sure about anybody else listening to this um but my best friend and I have obviously talked a number of times about what we would do if we were replaced by a pod person or <laughs> um, another such scenario. But it, it's something that is very imaginable, this this hijacker coming in and taking over that body and the the ways that people carry themselves, the ways that people talk, blink, move, are all infinitesimally small cues that mm-hmm. we give to each other mm-hmm. that you can tell if somebody's off and then you can tell if somebody's really off mm-hmm. like this is a different person entirely wearing a kasha suit yeah and at first it worked yeah yeah it did <laughs> it really did a kasha suit <laughs> oh ugh. Ugh. so eventually the dragon lets Agnieszka try mm-hmm. anything everything yeah. make as big of a mess as she wants and he doesn't say anything and that's where I thought he was getting more empathetic empathetic just watching her go as crazy to save her friend I think, you know I think the fact that she pulled back when she realized that it wasn't her mm-hmm. was a huge moment for the dragon. That he realized that that she wasn't just being foolhardy. That she was literally just trying to save her friend. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't going to do it 
in a reckless, well, yeah, in a reckless way, for sure. But in a, in a way that, like, she was going to do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, almost like he gained a little respect, I think. He needs to gain a lot more respect. <laughs> he needs to gain a lot. <laughs> so then, um, again, she tries everything. Nothing is working. But then the thing that does. But the thing that does is, do you remember in the beginning, she's reading that book, but she can't remember yeah. what she's just read? The the book um, that originally made him think that she was a spy mm-hmm. for one of the other magicians. Um, I don't know how it's pronounced in the audiobook, but in my head it was always Luthi's summoning. It's, um, in the audiobook, they just call it Luth's summary, summary, summoning. summoning. So apparently this book, it's a book-length spell. So the the way... The entire book is one spell. One spell. So it's like, it's, imagine, imagine having to read an entire novel out loud in one go. (laughs) It's effectively what it is. And if you stop, it's apparently such a powerful spell that the magic can, like, quote-unquote, collapse around you and destroy a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Which is why he thought that maybe she was an agent, because if she was magical, but not able to pull the spell off, which no one is apparently able to do, it would maybe take down the tower. Yeah. Well, and we we learned, too, that if the wood gets a hold of a wizard, whether it be Agnieszka himself, it'll put him in a heart tree, and then mm-hmm. this, this sentient whatever will take over everything. Yeah. Because whatever magic that person has will just go right to the wood. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why he was so hesitant about her going in after mm-hmm. Kasha. Because she has magic. Magic that he can't explain. Um, and therefore, it makes her a lot more dangerous to lose to the woods. Mm-hmm. And we learned, too, that the the loose summoning or, or Luthi's summoning, <laughs> summoning is, um, it's actually, it's a truth spell Mm -hmm. and it's it goes into it more on later in the book but initially what this meant to me was when the dragon purges Agnieszka it's like you can see tiny little worms of darkness like little wisps yeah and so the summoning spell to me was like okay are you truly uh corrupted like Mm -hmm. let's see the truth of 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 your soul basically but I I like the acknowledgement that this is such a powerful spell, spell because truth itself is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, my little philosophy nerd brain just goes, <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, and so the she's trying to figure out, like, with loose summoning summoning spell and the dragon's purging spell, if they mm-hmm. tried them together, would that work yeah. on Kasha? And initially, they don't think so because they they try it, but sap just pours from her eyes, her nose, and her mouth. Oh. Which in my notes, I was like, equals gross. <laughs> like, I just, that part... Mm-hmm. No, but the, the feeling of sap itself is so nasty. Just the idea of it coming out of your eyes. Yes. Oh. Or like your, your ears and... Ugh. See, but the thing that... that oh that gets me with this truth spell and the way it has physical impact on her body is it's almost like forcing the body to acknowledge the lie that it is right yes then. and all of like your 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 deep dark sort of envious 
lies or whatever that you've told yourself, yeah. Yeah. which I thought was super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. So they they try this this spell on her, and eventually it does start to work. Yeah, and she Agnieszka has to face some not easy things to face. Oh, yeah. That she was jealous of Kasha and, like, you know, she she was happy that Kasha was supposed to get chosen and, you know, like, she wouldn't have to go and, and all of these things that, like, I'm sure you have felt something for a friend and you're just like, why can't I do that? Yeah. Or why isn't that me? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, thank God it happened to them and not to me. Yeah. Like, I've had thoughts like that. Like, those ugly <clears throat> moments yeah, that, that everybody has. Everybody has. Every, it's it's <clears throat> It doesn't true. make you a bad person. No, and it doesn't make you, necess- like, obviously... It could make you a bad friend if you let it. <laughs> but if you act on it. You yes. act on it. Yes. But also, it doesn't make you a bad friend. No. Like, it, friendships are complex, and they're something that's constantly growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the fact that she's also acknowledging Kasha's moments like that, and yeah. the way she sees her. Yeah. Because everybody in the radius of the spell is falling into it. Yep. So the dragon is also seeing how they see him and each other and themselves. And it's just like, it's the truth mm-hmm. of everything. It's such a powerful moment. And Kasha has to deal with the fact that she wanted Agnieszka to be cha- like chosen. She was glad that she didn't have to go. Yep. And like, she was feeling guilty about that and and you have to remember too that that all of these people in their town not only in polonia but in the capital like Mm -hmm. the princes think that the dragon just takes a girl to have as a sexual slave and Mm -hmm. that's not true yeah and the dragon is confronted with that Mm -hmm. that assumption for the first time and it shocks him because he didn't he didn't think that he want he was seeing these women as an assistant yeah and And we learn later there's a little bit more to it but Mm -hmm. it's and it's not any it's not um nefarious yeah um but the fact that he realizes that that's how other people see him disgusts him and i think that's the most important moment when it comes to his like growth yeah it's like he got to see himself and you you did say this he got to see himself through other people's lenses basically and that's why the spell is so powerful yeah (laughs) yeah and so because you know kasha has to face her truth and agnashka has to face her truth and the dragon because he's helping perform this um this spell which is only possible because the two of them are working together yes so that that in and of itself because if you do it by yourself it doesn't work so then they figured out that if they fed each other their magic and Mm -hmm. did this at the same time and he sings it then then it works and so she's able to essentially pull kasha from the wood Mm -hmm. and the wood doesn't understand what's happening it doesn't i love this moment this was an amazing and i'm not doing it justice by explaining but it's beautiful the thing that is happening in the room is them doing the spell kasha like kind of fighting against it mm-hmm. but there's this other space that's created where yeah. where agnieszka is going physically into the forest and finding her friend again yeah and then bringing her back out mm-hmm. and it's and it's, it's like the spiritual journey that is happening yeah. in like this spell yeah which it's, and it's oh and i'm getting teary it's, oh, it's, it's really great it's really it's really good it's really really good and again just her, the way her she describes these mm-hmm. things 
is such a different way of describing somebody who feels guilty that they were chosen yeah. instead of their friend. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm getting a mole goosebumpy. So they're able to save Kasha. Yes. Which is the first person that they've ever been able to fully get rid of corruption from. Yeah. yeah. So this has never happened before, and the dragon doesn't want anybody to know. Yeah. And so uh, we should mention, too, Agnieszka does send a letter to Kasha's mother. Yeah. And um, explaining she's going to be okay, but Uh not to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately... Her mother gets ill, and her friend... Which I thought this part was really fucked up. Her friend is helping her get better, and as, like, a, as, as a courtesy or is, like, helping, she opens her letter. No. And I'm just like, you don't open your friend's mail. Like, how sick do you have to be yeah. to feel comfortable <laughs> with, with somebody? So, oh, so she's... Some rando. Yeah, <laughs> so she sees this mail and then just spreads it all across town. Yeah. Yeah, so gossip, like, as a function, is so fascinating to me in yeah, a story. I know. Like, the fact that it's just, like, gossip itself mm-hmm. happening gossip in the background. Gossip itself is a living thing. Yeah. yeah, and it spreads as well, mm-hmm. kind of in a mirror to the woods. And eventually it gets back to the capital. Yep. And guess who shows up? Ugh. But Prince Malik and the Falcon. At first they show up specifically to make sure that, like, he everything's... A-okay. Because they think that maybe the dragon has been corrupted and that he's now an agent of the woods. Mm -hmm. And then Malik gets this hair that he wants to go into the forest to rescue his mother. Well, and I should say... So Kasha, yes, she is um, free of corruption, but she's forever changed. Oh, for sure. She is a living tree yeah. now. Like she's a her, wood girl. <laughs> her skin looks like bark. Mm-hmm. Nothing can pierce it. Yeah. Um, she's super strong. She is very strong. <laughs> yeah. um, Agnieszka uh, had to teach her how to walk because she couldn't remember how to bend mm-hmm. her knees or her arms. She, she, was, she was a marionette. She keeps breaking she things. She keeps breaking things. <laughs> like, Walking in it, like, and just making a horrible mess. Yeah. But Agnieszka has to clean up, and then the dragon gets even more pissed about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think even that was just so different because it talks about that even though Agnieszka was able to pull her out of that, she's forever changed. The oh, yeah. wood has left its mark on her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Also, I love that it it transforms Kasha as a character in such a fascinating way. She goes from being this kind of delicate, beautiful girl into being this like buff superwoman mm-hmm. in a way that you don't really get to see very often of just somebody who is like, well, she legit like gets stronger. Which she I gets think ripped. Is... She's yeah. so small. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and physical strength is something that up until more recently we have as like storytellers not encountered a, a ton of in female characters well and i one of my uh one of the more favorite parts of this too is when um they realize everything is okay and mm-hmm. and kasha is a living tree now he he says to her 
you intolerable lunatic and then just kisses her yeah so that's the first time they share a kiss and i was just like yeah but like how funny you intolerable lunatic i i I need to say just at the top here i am like so conflicted about how much i love the relationship between the two of them Mm -hmm. because i feel like i shouldn't like them because he is a fucking asshole no he really is he really is Mm -hmm. but then as he starts to soften their connection to each other starts to to like increase and in life I will never encourage a person to get into a relationship with somebody who started out as an asshole, but is quote unquote getting better. So, mm, but in the in this fantasy book, I'm gonna suspend my disbelief because there's also magic and, there's also and magic. the walkers and <laughs> everything else. Like, and at one point, you like yeah, there's all kinds of interesting beasts that I'll go into more. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, the second half of this book gets real oh, into that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get Which into we'll that get later. into that in our, our second episode. But, yeah. um, but like Cole was saying, Prince uh, Malik and the Falcon come and um, they've heard the news. They want to see Kasha. They... Yeah, um, <laughs> Prince Malik uh, doesn't seem to remember what has happened before, although he, he gets a little foggy, shakes his head, and is just like, something's up. Wait, talking about the um, supposed sexual interaction <laughs> yeah. between him and Agnieszka. And she, of course, is... Uh, uh, and I love this. She's terrified around him. Yeah. Because he attempted to sexually assault her. And she this isn't something that's just, like, casually forgotten in the story. Like, she yes. has a physical reaction when he comes in the room. And that... I, I love that. That is something that is so important to, to acknowledge. Well, and so the other thing that we learn, too, mm-hmm. is... So the dragon, the falcon, they actually have names. Mm-hmm. And their names are powerful. Yeah. And uh, so the dragon we learn is Sarkin, mm-hmm. and the falcon we learn is Solia. Yeah. And um, so, <laughs> so Solia doesn't believe Kasha is cleansed. He doesn't mm-hmm. believe that the dragon is cleansed. Mm-hmm. And um, so he decides to put Kasha through just a gauntlet. Of tests. tests. And his magic... And they also don't want them knowing that Agnieszka is magical. Yeah. His magic, the Falcon's magic, is like... Bizarre. It's bizarre, but I also think it... But it, it matches it, him. It matches him. Yeah. He, he's like a seer, but also yes. like a... Like a, a truth seer. He's... he's yeah, because he wears this... Um, it is a shawl. Shawl's not of the right word. It's almost like this hood that goes over his head that has a third eye. Yeah. And he wears that to see um, if anybody has corruption, mm-hmm. if um, somebody's lying, mm-hmm. um, like that kind of stuff. And so the poor girl is just... Put through the ringer. <laughs> just put through the ringer. <laughs> yeah. She's already had a bad couple days. And Let's be honest. And so, um, so what I like though is the dragon, like, you know, Solia is also a dick and Prince M has been an ass. And what I like is the dragon just sits in his chair and he's leaning his head against his fist and he says, tell me, Solia, 
Did you consider what you would find here in my hall if I really had let one of the corrupted out? Do you think you would be here alive and well? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, <gasps> damn. You also help, I think, to it helps to understand a little bit of the dragon's hardness. Yes. And his like acridity when these two men show up. Mm-hmm. Each time these two men show up. Because like you realize that they don't want the dragon to succeed but at the same time Mm -hmm. prince malik does because if the dragon succeeds at this then he can go get his mom um mammy his mom are you my mommy are you maybe (laughs) (laughs) but the uh the the thing that kills me is that like the falcon legitimately thinks that if he shows up and there's one of the corrupted there that he and I Prince Mal I wrote down he wants to go back into the forest for mommy dearest. <laughs> <laughs> go on, sorry, I just no, thought that was fantastic. funny. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I cherish it. The, the fact that that he thinks that he can show up and figure out whether or not the corrupted is there, and his mm. entire plan is oh if. The dragon and his ilk are all uh, are all corrupted. I'm just gonna burn the tower down. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he has some of that fire fireheart with him mm-hmm. specifically to kill them all. Mm-hmm. If that's what's happening, and I just love that the dragon the whole time is like cool as a cucumber. Yeah, you know he's so used to it. Yeah, he's, that's very true. Because I do try and fuck with him a lot. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned before, he's pretty old. And he is old. Yeah. He's only been doing this. He's only been at the the tower. wood, the tower for what two hundred years, a hundred. I think it was three hundred years. He's okay. been at the tower, and that can tell you how old the woods is. If he doesn't even, he knew it wasn't there, but he can't remember when yeah. it showed up. Well, and the later on, the story acknowledges that I think that the magicians are functionally immortal. Yeah, they yep. until something kills them, mm-hmm. they're alive. <laughs> yeah, so. and there, there's one uh, wizard that we'll meet in the second part and in the next episode and I love her. I love her. (laughs) Um... Oh, so one of the... So going back really quick to when they first show up, mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought was really funny, and I'm so, so glad that Naomi wrote this in, when they first show up, everybody's waiting inside the tower, and you see this big blue glow come mm-hmm. up across the doors. Mm-hmm. And it's and you can tell that they're trying to break in. <laughs> and, like, they can't get in. And then they knock. Yes. And so I was just, I was like, the, you try to force open the door and then you knock? That's rude. So That's <laughs> so, so rude. And then you come in and, and you're just like, everybody's corrupt and I'm killing and lighting everybody on fire. Like, yeah. you, knock first, at yeah. least. To be, be polite first mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. And, and then light everybody on yeah. fire. It also... <laughs> Like narratively asserts the important function of the tower being a stronghold. Like it is not easily broken into, which mm-hmm. you no. know he's a he's the most powerful sorcerer, so yeah. like his tower is gonna be a lockdown. Yeah. And you have to remember too that he's trying to combat the 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 woods. Yeah. So and and we learn later just how maniacal the, the woods, woods are. Oh, and um, it's insidious. <laughs> so eventually, after they they run Kasha through all of these tests, she really is corruption free. Yep. And um, so now Prince Malik more than ever is just like, 
you're going into the woods with me. You're going into the woods with me. Falcon, or not Falcon, Dragon, you can stay. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> all of this stuff. And um, then he remembers. He remembers. <laughs> and he calls Agnieszka a witch. Yeah. And um, and then we, we learn that the reason that, you know, he called her a witch and it wasn't that he was going to burn her alive at the stake. It's because he needs a wizard to go into the wood and protect everybody and, you know, help get his mother out. Because if you're going to go fight a magic forest, you might as well have a magic person with you or three. And so how, how Agnieszka ends up agreeing to go with uh, Prince Malik and the Falcon and um, all of these men is he very subtly, but not so subtly threatens to have Kasha put to death. Yeah. Because she's corrupted. She still has to face trial eventually. Which is part of the law of pulling. Yeah, part of the law is you have to face trial, and if you're corrupted, you're put to death. Yes. And again, nobody has ever not been corrupted. Yeah. One of the things that's most infuriating about Prince Malik is that he's actually very good at, like, that subtle art of politicking. Yeah. So, like, you have to give him credit for being good at that while also remembering that he's a rapist. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and and we didn't talk, like, a whole lot about that. Yeah. But he said something when he was going to do it, which was just like, oh, you're just chill, you're fine, calm down. Yeah. Like, Like, this... Like, he's done this a thousand yeah, times. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, you. if anything, it's it's more like she should have been Thinking ready him. and willing and no. on her knees in more than one way. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, it just drives me... That just pissed yeah. me off so much. But, <laughs> but the fact that he, he essentially acknowledges that the only way that Kasha is going to be safe politically is yeah, if there is, is a bigger gambit mm-hmm. of the queen also being safe. safe. So... So, Agnieszka, being the good friend that she is, <laughs> decides to go. Yeah. And um, so before they do that, however, they want to see exactly how it works. They want to see how the summoning spell works and all of that. So they are going to use Yerzy yeah. as a test subject to see if they can recreate what they did for Kasha, but with Yerzy. So, like, again, I cannot stress <laughs> I this enough. So bad for his wife. Poor Christina. <laughs> okay, so she's got this horrifying statue of her corrupted and husband. This whole time, I'm like, what do you do with that? Because she put just... it in the barn. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a throwaway <laughs> line. Because it was just this, this huge marble statue of your husband, like, like, like in their bedroom. Actively, like, writhing in yes, agony. in the agony and just this horrible <laughs> facial expression. It's so so, so she's already dealing with that. She's mm-hmm. already an impoverished peasant in this yes. town that's pregnant. Like, she, alone. Well, she gave birth by the time that they oh, all show really? up. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't realize like how far along she was. No, I, I took way too much interest in this. <laughs> but she she uh, had given birth by the time that they show up. But this poor woman, impoverished peasant girl, her husband is a corruption. She had her, all of her livestock like. Burned. Burned. And Agnieszka did something very kind that we glossed over. Yeah. She took one of those those dresses that she had made with the dragon spell. Venetulum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And gave it to her to sell. And so when you we go back to this farmstead, she's got these piglets there. So she's got this like new thing going on. Yeah. And it melted my little my cold little heart. <laughs> it really did. But then suddenly she's got the prince and two wizards and this girl from her town and, and a- 
tree person. And a tree person <laughs> showing up. So, like, the fact that she doesn't, like, hang around for all of it makes complete sense. Oh, yeah. She's just, just, like... nope out of that room. She's just like, you do you. I'm... I can't. I'm out. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're able to try the summoning spell and the the everything else on um, Yerzy. Mm -hmm. However, as they're pulling him out, they also use um, that uh, fire heart. And um, they're able to burn the heart tree that he was attached to which is incredible which is insane it's taking something that is physically physically in this world Mm -hmm. and taking it into this other plane yeah and that like moment of like permeating that veil between these two like uh, and it's not even exist. worlds. It's I know. Like, it's yeah. like two, like you said, planes is great. Yeah. Like it's just two different mm-hmm. planes where one is, you isn't physical and one is physical. Yeah. But you make it happen. And it, it's magic. And when we say, you know, like they, they pull Kasha out or they pull Yerzy out, it's, it's like a metaphysical thing. Yeah. And, um, and we just, we're not doing it justice. You have to read how she, she writes this. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I, I think we're doing an okay job. But. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because they use the fire heart, the the wood is temporarily weakened. Yes. Because whenever a heart tree is damaged or or whatever, like mm-hmm. that, that's a big uh, blow to to the wood. Yeah. Uh, a heart tree equals power. Yeah. Because it it gives fruit, it gives pollen, it it breeds a home for other it's monsters. It's almost like a, the font of power for yeah. a specific area. So mm-hmm. it's like the heart tree is planted and the rest of the wood grows around Around it. that, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we learn a little bit more about later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and you know when they were going through all of this and they're, they're describing she's describing you know what it's like to be inside of a heart tree. Like, all I can think about is his mommy dearest. And I'm just like, <laughs> what would it be like to, to be half living in a tree for yeah. 20 years? Like, yeah. and this whole time I'm thinking... Oh, we, oh, we oh, find we, out. We find out, yes. <laughs> but this in when I was in this part, I'm thinking, like, would there be anything left of her? Can you imagine? Like, I'm already like a little bit claustrophobic. <laughs> so, can you imagine just like that level of captivity, but also like I just think you're it'd, you're both it'd be confined and lost in a vast expanse at the same That's time. That's magical too. Yeah, and I and it, it should be said that when these people are in the heart trees, they they are remembering and dealing. Mm-hmm. with the worst of their lives. Yeah. And and so being in the wood, it doesn't mean that you don't feel anything and you don't see anything. No, my friend. Your body <laughs> may be dead and gone, but your mind is in there and it uh-huh. is hell. Yeah. Um. So I can only imagine what 20 years would be like yeah. if she's even in there. Well, and Kasha, you know? Kasha is like haunted by it. Yeah, she is. She has P- I think she legit has PTSD from it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the, the changes that you were talking about earlier aren't, mm-hmm. aren't just physical. There is a psychological change as well. Yeah. Um, she, she comes across very strong and like mm-hmm. kind of stoic about it but i yeah. think that that's how stoic is actually a really good way to say that because she does come across that way well she had prepared herself her entire life to go live with the dragon mm-hmm. and yeah that's what she thought was going to happen mm-hmm. so she i think she manifested a lot of stoicism early on and just applied it to a new thing <laughs> and so um to wrap up uh this 
part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the prince and the falcon, they gather uh, an army of, of about 30 plus men. They're specifically some of the most talented. Most talented yeah. men. Because again, you don't know what, what you're going to come across. Yeah. And um, so they go on this this crazy journey into the woods, and some other things happen, and we're we're gonna gloss over them because I really think you should read it on your own. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, a couple of their their men go missing, and mm-hmm. some other stuff happens, and you learn that that the wood is unbelievably it's hunting them and yes. it has a thousand bodies to use yeah. tens of oh, thousands yeah. all of, of bodies all of those soldiers are just puppets yeah. for, for the woods the, i will say at one point because this really creeped me out they're they're on horseback when they're going across the river no oh. so oh oh my god oh my god <laughs> uh, so importantly though the dragon despite the fact that the prince told him he didn't have to go, comes along. Comes along. He yeah. feels like he needs to he, be there. He has Plus, to. Plus, the, the summoning that truth spell, can, it has to be done by two people. Yes. And two wizards. Yeah. And Agnieszka does not like the falcon, Solia. So, um, so the dragon decides to go. And so it's, it's Kasha... Um, Prince Malik, the Falcon, the Dragon, Agnieszka, and then 30 plus men. And a couple of them are named, but... Yeah, but I can't, I, I can't remember. But at one point, they're on horseback and they're going through part of the forest. And they've already lost a couple of men by now. Mm-hmm. Like, they've just wandered off. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you, one of those moments where you turn around and there was five people behind and you and there's, there's suddenly three. three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, we both with the three. Yeah. Um, and so you hear one of them sigh, but you mm-hmm. it's almost like a very relieved, like, <sighs> Yeah. So Agnieszka turns around and he reaches in front of him and cuts the soldier's neck in front that was in front of him. Yeah. I don't know why that bothered me. That I had to close my book. Horrifying. I had to close it and just be like, I need a minute. <laughs> like what happened just now? I think like, it's that's so creepy. I think it's the 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 fact that it's something so incredibly violent. Yes. But it's made but it so, so casual calm. and calm. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's gets just right down underneath ugh, your skin. Ugh, yeah. Just like the woods. Just like <laughs> the woods, yes. And so, um... <laughs> and so, the he ends up slitting that, that guy's throat, and, and that was... That was a moment that I, I took a break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, finally, they come across this giant, I mean, giant heart tree. Mm-hmm. And, um... A little bit uh, in the beginning, we told you the the story about how this Rosian prince came and took the queen, and this was 20 years ago, and, yeah. and nobody has ever seen them since. Yeah. So they come across this huge heart tree, and the prince's skeleton is entwined in it. Mm-hmm. And you can see his shield and some of um, the Rosian's colors, yeah. and... But the the prince is it's gone. It's just a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but and he was partially out of the tree. Yeah, yeah. Which is like mm-hmm. I, I think it's fascinating that the tree tried to consume two people. Yeah. In the one at like maybe at the same time, mm-hmm. and it couldn't quite digest him. Yeah, which know? I wonder why. 
I think he would... I mean, I think it's because he would have been an inconvenient character to have around, but... Uh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the trees are only equipped to handle one person at a time. Maybe oh, that's what it so is. And they had, like, fallen asleep by the tree together. Or something. Or something, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So anyway, that is where we are going to stop it. for yeah. this episode. Cole has, um, and we, we're going to play around with it a little bit. We're calling it Cole's Corner right now. So yeah. because she has so much education about publishing and about books and all that stuff, she's going to go into uh, a little bit more deep, uh, more of a deep dive into... Um, you know how like specific like you were telling me earlier about like the landscaping what yes. is that specifically called? it's called the pastoral yeah, so this i uh, have no idea <laughs> so um so here is cole with all of her lovely book knowledge <laughs> mary honestly feel free to like make this conversation too oh yeah like oh, are you, if you have met i'm yeah. going to hi actually, we met. nice to meet you i'm cole um just in brief because you can, with, with, when it comes to a novel, especially one like this, you could talk about it in depth for ages. And I'm pretty sure that I could write a 25 page paper about this specific uh, concept in this book. But I want to talk about the pastoral, which when applied to literature is the, the kind of idealization of the landscape. So pastorals uh, as a word have been used in art for a long time, but in books, especially this book, it's a way of showing how like a romantic like field looks or like a beautiful forest. And one of the things that is happening in this book is it's deranging that pastoral. So in fantasy, so often what you get lost in is the beauty of the trees. Like think about the Lord of the Rings, for instance, when they're going into Rivendale, there's this incredible forest. And that's like, I think J.R.R. Tolkien describes it over the course of like 60 pages. That's an exaggeration. It's only 58 (laughs) pages. Um, The the, um, thing about the landscape in fantasy is it's often part of the escapism. So the fact that it is this menace to everybody Mm -hmm. is so fascinating. And to me, I read it a lot as a critique of expansionism and the ways that that can kind of go sour. What's expansionism? So the ways that societies and like various cultures will spread. Oh. So uh, like Polinia, I am not saying these names right. On Audible it it says Polinia. Oh right. Excellent. I'm going to go with it. (laughs) Polinia is a colonizing force. It came in after another civilization and took over. Mm-hmm. So it colonized it. And in the discussion of literary colonialism, it's often one of the things that you look at is the ways that the landscape is described as something that can be conquered and spread into. So if you think about American expansionism and the way that it really created a violence on the societies that were already here. So indigenous peoples of North America was romanticized 
into a manifest destiny. We're going to go out and we're going to go into this beautiful landscape. If you look at the oh, the ways that they talked about California and the beauty mm. that was there mm-hmm. and there's wild pigs running around with forks already in their back, you know? It's a way of getting people to come and expand. And the fact that the place that you can expand in Polinia is the forest, Mm -hmm. is this wood, and it is a menace, and it is expanding back, I think is one of the most powerful things that this book does. It's inherently like messing with one of those tropes of a colony coming in, taking over. The beautiful landscape is a thing that we get to have now. The beautiful (laughs) landscape is going to bite back, and it's going to take your queen. And that, <laughs> that, to me, is one of the most powerful things that's happening. So that's my little mini rant about a literary device that's going on inside of Uprooted. And I'll have another one for you next week. So the other part of this show is, and again, we'll play with format a little bit since we're new. But, we're baby. Um, <laughs> we're baby podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, so the other part of this is, uh, we want to talk about the food item. Mm -hmm. So, um, in Uprooted, it's really interesting because, um, it is a a peasant sort of farm or a peasant town, excuse me, um, a village. And so they are very gatherer very rural yeah. yeah at one point she talks about killing a rabbit and i was like i am not doing that yeah. <laughs> I, there was there was uh i mean i grew up in a more rural area mm-hmm. um, i grew up in reno in nevada <laughs> yeah. and so i grew up surrounded by casinos there's yeah. no rabbit killing there I unless you go out it. in the in the desert I, I think more than anything it was the climbing trees and going and picking blackberries that i <laughs> i associated here but also like can you can you pick things? Can you pick sagebrush? I guess you could pick sagebrush if you really I would, wanted to. I don't know if sagebrush is edible, <laughs> but I also don't feel like it's a pleasant experience. No, I don't think so. <laughs> if anybody has any great sagebrush recipes, hit me up, I guess. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> One of the reasons why we started this podcast is because we're both very interested in the food inside of yeah. books. Mm-hmm. And like, I think one of the reasons why we picked this book is because there's so much food. There's a lot. There's there's breads. There's um, soups. soups. At one point, she mentions that Kasha had been going to um, a town, like, not far away to learn how to make a very special festival cake. Yeah. Because, again, she thought, you know, she was going to have to cook the dragon all of these meals. And it ends up being Agnieszka, who can't cook shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. But then, then for me, one of the most important moments is one of her first magics is changing food. Mm -hmm. And so I tapped into that when I cooked for this episode. And the scene is very early on in the book. Um, For me, it's on page 24, just at the end of chapter one. And she uses the Lirintalum spell Mm -hmm. with the dragon. So he's like holding her hand actively over the the horrible food that she's just made. Well, I'm not, I'm sure it's not actually horrible. It's just not to his standard. Yes. He's he's very. Isn't that, you eat with your eyes first. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And he's very pretentious. Um, so the, the food that she had made was rustic food that she had, farmer food. Yeah. And, um, the, the little part here that inspired my, my, uh, little baking fest, uh, 
is the air rippled over the food, talking about the magic that they're using. Um, horrible to see, because she's scared of magic. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole world was a pond and he could throw pebbles in. When it smoothed again, the food had changed. Where the baked eggs had been a roast chicken, instead of the, uh, the bowl of rabbit stew, a heap of tiny new spring beans, though it was even seven months past their season. Instead of a baked apple, a tartlet full of apples sliced paper thin. That is what I made. I made an apple tart. It is beautiful. I, well, thank you. <laughs> it, it, I hope it's tasty. Um, I uh, made it vegan, which obviously is not the way that anybody else has to make it, but it was a fairly easy conversion from the recipe that I found. And it was my first time trying to do the fancy tart fan with the apples. Um, and it was way easier than I thought it was gonna be. Uh, I took a standard tart shell and um, made a frangipan filling. And then I took some uh, apricot jam, spread it over the tart shell, put the frangipan in, and then made a florette of the um, apples, glazed it with the the apricot jam, and then baked it. And honestly, my rooms in my apartment smelled so good. <laughs> it was incredible to try. And the fact for me that that was such an important moment when she, she realizes for the first time that she can do magic, and then she gets, t- like to see this beautiful thing that she's made and it's food mm-hmm. oh well and incredible it's, it's cool too that they do it with apples because that's one of the the fruits that the wood produces that nobody can eat yeah and yeah. so i love that you made an apple tart <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> Um, pictures of that and the recipe that I used are going to be up on our blog. And then I think we'll probably put the pictures on social media as yeah. well. Um, uh, eventually, I will have a um, Instagram for you guys to follow and a Facebook for you guys to nice. follow. Um, if you have any suggestions, if you want to, to hear us cover a book, yeah. or um, if you have any sort of ideas for a recipe that you'd like to have us Or if you make. made something inspired by it. Yeah. I'm, I'm so down to yeah. hear all of those stories. Um, please, please contact us at howtobakeabookpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you can follow us on social medias. I'm Mary Bates. Cole doesn't have any social media, so you can follow me. And I will let Cole know <laughs> what you say. Um, Please rate and review. Uh, five stars is always appreciated. Yeah. Um, it would get us more uh, recognition and more listeners. Yeah. So um, anyway. Also come back next time uh, yes, to hear the, the rest of the book. For the second part of Uprooted, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, oh man, the second part is oh, man. so good. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks for, for joining us. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey folks, Cole here. I'm recording this part on my own, though Mary does know that I'm doing it, I promise. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everybody for listening to our very first episode and joining this little journey with us. We got the idea to make this little podcast and 
we weren't anticipating any sort of response like the one that we've gotten so far. And I know it might be a bit early, but I'm already feeling very excited about this. I'd like to extend some special thanks to the people who have been supporting us along the way. Firstly, I'd like to thank Tracy Randall for making the wonderful art that you see as our icon and on some of our social media as well. I'd also like to thank Robbie Bates, the uh, wonderful scribe behind our website and who's been coaching us a lot on how to deal with a lot of the technical things that we're not too familiar with. I'd also like to thank Ren Haynes for helping us out with a lot of the sound stuff that's going on. As you can tell, we're still really learning how to do this effectively, and we appreciate your patience with us. I'd also like to thank all of the Uli's out there for supporting us so hard at the beginning of this, even before the episode came out. You are all truly magnificent, and probably some of the coolest book people I've ever met. And of course, we can't leave it off without thanking Naomi Novak, the author of the book we were talking about for the past little while. I know she has a new book out. I think it released earlier this week. Support her. Give her a shout out. Tell her we're talking about her. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>